data is worth more than oil now, right? So when this industry wakes up and invests in that, understand that's where the future is headed in the world. It won't be in three years, but say 10 years from now. That's four-time Olympic ice hockey medalist and present-day CEO, co-founder of the Sports Innovation Lab, Angela Ruggiero, talking data in very clear terms. In The Bond, Angela talks about her personal fandom of Serena and also what it felt for her to interact with fans directly circa 2009 on Twitter and what she learned about how much her fans really cared, including what she put on her turkey sandwiches. We talk about present day at the Sports Innovation Lab and their research about the fluid fan and living in the attention economy. We also explore personalization and what it takes to win. And if you're not familiar with the Sports Innovation Lab, look them up. They're doing incredible work. At a high level, I love where fandom is headed. Um, it's, it's, I always say sports was the original reality show. Um, the Olympics probably did it best by really giving you an inside view into the athlete as a person. And, uh, you know, you get more engaged with that athlete and their outcomes and their success if you know who they are. Um, and today, um, with the advent of social media and all these digital platforms, um, you can really understand a lot about the athlete. You can understand really at the core who they are, what they value, um, and be more, um, uh, invested in them. And, uh, and I didn't have that as much. I, you know, you, I couldn't go direct to consumer when I was playing. I, I was one of the first athletes on, on Twitter back in the day before the, uh, before the Vancouver Olympics, I, I signed up, I think 2009. And, and I, I think I had 30, 40,000 fans at the time and made the sports illustrated top list of <laughs> athletes on Twitter. And it was like a big deal back then. Um, but it was amazing for me to, for the first time ever be able to go direct to my fans and tell them how I was training, what I was thinking, uh, how I was preparing and really engage them in a different way that to, to ultimately would be better for women's ice hockey, um, which is a sport, as you know, that comes around really every four years and has an unbelievable platform and an avid, avid following, but just hasn't had the means to interact with me or the sport um, because of traditional broadcasts and, and sort of the limitations that, that we've had there. So what I love about fandom today is that you could, you could follow any sport, any athlete, no matter how niche or small um, these platforms allow you to be diehard, even though the, you know, media industry may in, in prior years have prevented you from really understanding those athletes, understanding that sport. Um, you had, you know, you were, I was reliant on my sponsors or my national governing body, USA hockey, others to provide the platform to let me talk to my fans. And, and as soon as digital and social took off, um, again, later in my career, I did, I had a blog in 2006, uh, at the, at the, uh, at the, uh, Torino Olympics to put it in perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, my blog, I was into one of the first athletes to do that. I was super into social media before I retired in 2011 and, and just immediately saw that impact. Um, and today's athlete, that's on steroids. They are bigger than the brand. They're bigger than the team. They're bigger than um, the sport in a lot of ways, um, which is really what at the Sports Innovation Lab we cover. We call it, you know, in the age of the fluid fan it's all about the athlete and the relationship with that, with that fan. Yeah. And, and you mentioned just kind of prior to technology and then you said social and digital. Is that the, obviously that's an enormous thing. I mean, 
At one point there wasn't, and now there is. Is there anything else that's different about fan interaction between kind of stakeholders, talent, teams, leagues, and the fan besides the, the social aspect? Like, how has the fan changed, do you think? Is there more fandom? Is it the same fandom? It's just they know more about the people and the rights that they want to be fans of? Yeah, I think it's it's personalization, right? Um, before, you know, in the age of local fandom or global fandom, as we say, you could follow teams, you could follow leagues, um, you could follow athletes, um, there, but the, the large majority of fans were, were diehards. They would go to the game no matter what. They would root for the team no matter what. You know, the, these tickets, these these you know your your season tickets were passed down from generation to generation. You inherited your fandom. If you grew up in Boston, you're a Red Sox fan. If you grew up in LA, you're a Lakers fan. Like that was sort of what your parents passed down to you. Today's fan um, has more choice. They are open to change. They're empowered to choose. They're doing all these things differently because of technology. That's really core to what we study at the Sports Innovation Lab, that now you can be fans with any team, any athlete, any sport, anywhere, anytime. It's so it's personalized. So that again, that women's hockey fan, which previously couldn't be a diehard, can now be a diehard. That diehard NFL fan now might not really care about football because now they have lacrosse as an option or they have, you know, soccer as an option. Um, and their favorite player might live in China or live in England. Um, so technology has really given more choice and personalization and, and engagement, right? Engagement where they can interact with content, create content. You know, fans as creators is a big thing we see. They want to actually produce the video or the or the, the highlight. Um, they want to be engaged with that athlete and, and have that connection. Um, so, you know, old fans are absolutely the diehards will always exist. But the new fan, these fluid fans, you almost need to do more to appease them, to to have them stay with you uh, because they're very fickle and, and they demand a lot because of the amazing entertainment options they have outside of sports, which for the first time in history, sports is really competing with and against. Mm. What do you remember about starting Twitter in 2009? One of the first athletes, as you say. But what do you remember about that interaction with fans? What, what did you learn about your fans that you didn't know when it was either via the team or sponsors or through media? Just how much they, they cared. Mm. <laughs> Right. Like I would give, you know, I'd give appearances. They're usually fairly scripted. I'd give a, you know, I'd talk to keynotes or I would, you know, do my hockey camps or, or be able to interact. But this was a new level of um, dialogue where they cared about the turkey sandwich I made that day. And they would tell me by liking it. And I'm like, I didn't realize you cared so much about what I eat to get ready for a game. And that that's interesting to you. I thought you cared about, you know, the high level goals and the things more that you would see on the ice. Um, so how much they cared for me was amazing to see that sort of love, right. Um, of the people that you affected telling you, you, you know, you're my role model, your inspiration. And it wasn't like a letter in the mail. Um, it was literally in real time. Um, and then what they cared about, which again, I, I was, uh, I was shocked at the, you know, they cared, they cared what I was, you know, wearing that day, what I, um, who my friends were on the team, you know, who my role models, it gave them a way to, again, ask me questions that 
previously they couldn't or they, you know, they have to be more scripted, if you will, when you're interacting through a brand, like you're usually talking about what that brand cares about. Or um, if you're giving a keynote, it's usually your message, again, a push conversation as opposed to an interactive conversation. Um, so I was really just shocked at, you know, the level of questions and interest and just love that I felt as, as a, as a four-time Olympian at that point. And uh, different platforms jump every year, it seems, but how, ma- how many of those platforms do you use today or even then to engage with that audience? I mean, are you across Insta and Snap and Facebook, YouTube, we talked about Twitter, even TikTok now, or do you kind of pick one or two and stay focused there? Well, yeah, I'm going to date myself because, again, I retired in 2011, <laughs> and I would have loved this stuff. I actually had a, um, a flip cam back in the day, Love and I, I, I recorded on the go, you know, up close and personal in the locker room for a, for a sponsor. Um, that was my first, you know, video selfie, if you will. <laughs> right, um, right. And you had to go online and find where it was, and they had to clip it, and it took two months to get out the door every video I did. So um, so I loved that stuff. But this was before TikTok or Snap or Insta or any of these. You know, it, it was – I had Twitter, I had Facebook, and I had my flip cam. I think those were the three that I really used um, to talk to fans. And now, you know, our recommendation is – you know, fans come in a variety. For the fluid fans, some love to interact and just want videos on Insta. Some want Snap. Some, you know, your older fan might want Facebook. Um, so, uh, so you need all the platforms, but you can't just cut and paste the content. You got to really understand the 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 demographics of those platforms and the way that you're, you know, you're Asian or, or if you have a, a group that helps you create content, um, really has to speak to, to who those users are. Um, the best athletes like intuitively know. And so they're able to create unique personalized content and, and react to their fans on the fly. They're not relate, you know, they're not really leaning into an agency too heavily. They really have that personal relationship. Hmm. And what what talent uh, or teams or even it doesn't have to be sports, it could be music or entertainment, film, fashion, do you think really gets their fans and engages with them really well? Well, I wish I could say hockey. Um, I was with the CMO of the NHL the other day, and she said there aren't, there isn't a single athlete, hockey athlete in the top hundred social mm-hmm. athletes. I'm God, ah, there's such a team sport mentality. I think the idea that you, you're an individual first and foremost is something that team sports, I think struggles with. Mm-hmm. So the best um, athletes are the ones that are individual athletes. Cause it's all about them and what they're doing as opposed to this is my team um, or the team's, you know, NBA, right? There's a lot of individuals, if you will, that that stand out, um, and they know they're leaning into social. Their league is handing them different tools to engage um, with their fans on those, and and they're their own businesses now. They're um, they don't, you know, they get it. So I would say it's again absolutely individual sports um, because again the fan has a relationship with the individual, even if you're on a team sport. So if you do come up teams from a team sport, you have to do more, if you will, um, to stand out. And sometimes that's, that's, you know, in conflict with team culture. If it's all about me versus all about the team, right. I, I grew up, Oh, you know, team first was our motto. And, uh, and so, um, I think you just have to realize that, at least I realize and try to communicate that, you know, sports is a form of entertainment at the end of the day, 
the athletes that understand through their sport, they're going to be able to communicate to, to their fan, um, and use the tools, the digital and social tools to do that are going to, are going to be the ones that win. Mm. And at sports innovation lab, in addition to the fluid fan, what other trends do you see in the market or just technologies and you can name businesses or not, but just technologies that you see that are trying to disrupt or eliminate friction and, and build that relationship between fan and entity. Yeah, I think it depends on, um, you know, where that fan is, is engaging with you. Are they going to the venue, right? If you're going to actually spend the money and time to go to a venue to watch, watch your favorite team or your favorite athlete. So what you just said, it's, can you provide that frictionless, safe, engaged experience, um, where now I don't walk into the building and lose my Wi-Fi? Well, I can get Wi-Fi in a mall. Why would I go to a venue that can't even connect me to the basic tools I'm used to, to surfing. Um, so can you create that personalized experience in the venue where getting to the venue is easy while I'm in there, it's super personalized and, um, and I'm not losing my, um, that, that feeling of being with others. Right. So I'm not staring at the phone, but tech is enabling me to do more while I'm in the venue. Um, and then I'm able to leave with ease. Right. So are your fans, in the venue, or are they at home? A lot of fans can't afford to pay or don't want to deal with the hassle of getting to the venue. And, and as TVs get big, bigger, as they can stream online, as you know, the cord nevers just download highlights and don't even watch games. Um, are you? Is the sports industry leaning into platforms like Twitch, right, which has been extremely successful on the esports side? And all it is is really giving you more access, more interactivity, more ways to engage with each other as well as the athlete, right? So um, what are the technologies that traditional sports can do to really give you that connectivity at home? Um, so in a high-level way, we never think that tech is the, the end. It's really the means to the end of making us feel more connected to each other um, and to the athletes and, and teams and leagues themselves. And do you find that partners and just others in the market are digging deeper, digging more than they ever have to figure out who this fan really is? Yeah, they have to, yeah. right? If we're living in this attention economy where you're not just fighting for wallet share with, you know, other forms in, of entertainment, you're also just literally fighting for time, which is a new concept. Again, those diehards, they made the time. They found the money. They that was the only game in town. And you know, think about the number of distractions you have when you're even at a venue, um, or all the other entertainment options on a weekend rather than going to a game. Um, so there, I think, for the first time ever, and as particular as linear, you know, subscriptions are going down, as these cord nevers, cord cutters, um, that's going to have a massive impact on the sports industry. Cause that's, you know, the main revenue source and it's great today, but tomorrow it might be these digital subscriptions that might be, um, sponsor engagement. Right. So, um, the current model works, which is why I don't think it's been too much of a, uh, you know, urgency on the, on the behalf of the sports industry, but there's these cracks in the foundation that we're seeing, which would lead us to say disruption is occurring change is happening before our very eyes and you have to do more now um, to 
you know, be aware of the, the, the challenges ahead, but also the opportunities um, to take market share away from other teams or other forms of entertainment out there. Curious who you are a personal fan of. Doesn't have to be sports again. It can go across any industry, and how you engage with the content content of uh, that party. I'm a huge fan of Serena Williams right now. She's a badass. <laughs> She's like, not only is she an awesome athlete, um, you know, her, her record speaks for itself, but the way that she's used her platform um, to stand up for certain rights, um, to be vocal about it, right? Um, she's, and, and even outside of the court and her, you know, all the um, engagement work that she's done. Um, she started her own fund, right? She's investing in tech now. Uh, she's just doing everything. Oh, by the way, she had a baby. Um, so this woman, I think, is is one of my heroes. I've met her a few times, but she's just crushing it. And again, um, the public wouldn't know who she is versus 10 years ago um, today without all of you know her ability to really get to know her and, and, and understand what she stands for. Um, I think it's really increased her, her market value um, outside of just, you know, the way that she crushes it on the court. And when you're curious about what Serena's doing next, where, where do you go? Do you go to the website? Do you just Google search Serena? Do you look at her Twitter handle? Is there some other place that you go find that information? Um, well, my, uh, my software does it for me. I can type her name in at Sports Innovation Lab, what we have, which is an amazing resource that I'm, I'm fortunate to have at my fingertips. So I can Google athletes or people or companies or technologies or anything else. Um, so I can either be proactive about it or reactive, probably on Twitter is probably my favorite place yeah. to interact with her and just get her updates on what's going on. Um, so yeah, she's just, she's been, she's been someone that I've followed, but recently has been really, uh, popping on my, uh, personal interest of athletes as she has for many, I think out there on that platform that you guys have and the research that you have at your fingertips, what surprises you when you, when you look at sponsorship and fans and interactions with talent and, and look at the technology that is, as you mentioned, the means to ultimately the end. But is there anything in terms of the trends now that surprise you that you wouldn't expect? Um, well, one thing that um, you just mentioned sponsorship, um, just we look at how there's so many new players coming to the table um, that are technology providers or, you know, the Googles, the Intels of the world um, that previously didn't sponsor sports or were engaged in sports. Um, so the number, just the volume of interest in sports in general, I think is really interesting. Um, but then the, um, you know, I think you've seen this outside of sports. If a brand has a bad reputation in the market or maybe their CEO did something wrong. <laughs> um, if there was any sort of brand reputation, um, it affects your ability or willingness to work with that brand, purchase that brand, interact with that brand. Um, and we're definitely seeing that in sports. Um, and I'm not just saying sponsors, but think about, you know, the NFL and the controversy with, you know, players kneeling, right? If these social issues, um, and, and corporate issues are now actually affecting fandom. And we're, I thought that was really interesting in our research that um, fans will um, follow 
teams or leagues or players based on values. Mm. So if a team is more sustainable, as an example, and but they're all the way over in Europe, um, you might actually become a fan of theirs, even though you don't know anything about the team because of what they represent. Um, so you're, I think we're seeing that at multiple levels. And again, technology is allowing you to actually know that story and follow that story and interact with that story. So, um, yeah, fans following values and just, again, how brands are really trying to wrestle with um, engagement at the end of the day um, and get more, it's, you know, it, get more return on investment versus seeing, uh, seeing investments in sports as a vanity play, if you will. And if you had a crystal ball in front of you, three years from now, five years from now, is there a technology out there that you want to see or think is coming that will continue that trend and, and make that ROI even better or something that we can't even comprehend is being created right now? Um, I mean, what I would love to see, you know, you know that, you know, Alexa, Amazon knows everything about, you know, there's certain companies that this is... <laughs> Their data is worth more. I mean, data is worth more than oil now, right? Mm-hmm. There's so so when this industry wakes up and invests in that, understand that's where the future is headed in the world, right? Um, I again, it won't be in three years, but say ten years from now, um, the the understanding that I could say, okay, I I'm going to give away some of my privacy, but I want a hell of a return on that. I want you. I want people to know who Angela Ruggiero is the second I walk in that venue. I want discounts. I want personalized content. I want the feeds of the players I care about. Oh, I want you to leave me alone when it comes to this. Like, I'm not interested. Um, that, like, very personalized experience at home and in the venue that comes with data, the power of data, I think is everything. Um, and so... I mean, a lot has to happen between now and then. We can't work in silos anymore as organizations. These, All these organizations have to work together. And the team and the league really have to be that central point. Um, but the ability to understand your fan and give them that personalized, unparalleled experience, you're seeing it outside of sports. That's what I would love to see in sports, which is you still can opt in or out, but those that opt in and really want um, – something some value in exchange for that data are going to get you know an even better experience than what they get today and that's the bond see you next week